you will give birth to a son. That's why nobody can say, well, it's because of where I was born. It's because of where I was raised. No, it's because of how you choose to live. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Master. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Last week, we looked at the legend of the three trees. In this, uh, these three Sundays, we've been looking at some of the legends that have come down in objects and things that kind of tell the story that somebody has weaved around an object. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the legend of the candy canes. So as we do that, let's listen as Sarah reads a story to our children. Come on, guys. Quickly, quickly, crisscross applesauce. All right. Our story today is about my favorite candy, the candy cane. Did you know that these were invented... 350 years ago and you know the first purpose of this candy they were really plain they were used to keep the kids quiet in church but then a candy maker thought I can make these something very special so that is where we get our story today the legend of the candy cane so while I read you guys can watch our pictures up on the screen and we're going to learn all about my very favorite, favorite candy. One dreary evening in the depths of November, a stranger rode into town. He stopped his horse in front of a lonely storefront. The windows were boarded and shut and the door was locked fast. But the man looked at it and smiled and said, it will do. All through the gray, short days and long, dark nights of November, the man worked. The townspeople could hear the faint pam, pam, pam of his hammer and the snish, snish, snish of his saw. They could smell the sweet, clean scent of new lumber and deep, oily smell of new paint. But no one knew what the man, who the man was or what he was doing. The mayor hoped he was a doctor to heal his illness. The young wives hoped he was a tailor to make beautiful dresses. The farmers hoped he was a trader to exchange their grains for goods. But the children had the strongest, deepest wish of all, a wish they did not tell their parents, a deep, 
secret wish that none of them said out loud. No one spoke to the man. No one asked if he needed help. They just waited and watched and wondered and wished. But one small girl watched and wondered, waited and wished longer than she could stand. And one snowy day, she knocked at the stranger's door. Hello, she said. My name is Lucy. Do you need some help? The man smiled warmly and nodded and then opened the door and Lucy stepped inside. A long counter ran down the side of the room, bare shelves filled the opposite walls, and in the back were dozens and dozens of barrels and crates. Could you help me unpack, the man said. Lucy's heart sank at the sight of all the boxes. What if they only were barrels of nails and bags of flour? But she removed her drippy boots and hung her coat on a peg, and in stocking feet she crossed the rough wood floor and knelt beside a crate. Please, open it, the man urged. Slowly, Lucy put her hand into the box and pulled out an object wrapped in tissue. Round and heavy, it almost slipped through her fingers. Lucy trembled a little as she unwrapped it. It was a glass jar. Lucy gave the man a puzzled look. Go on, he said with a nod. So she unpacked another glass jar and another and another until she was completely surrounded by jars of all shapes and sizes, tall and thin, round and squat, jars with lids and jars without. Now, said the man, for something to put inside. And he pulled over a huge crate stamped with a strange word on it. As Lucy unpacked, her eyes lit up. It was candy. Her favorite candy, gumdrops. Try some, the man said. She popped one in her mouth, and now she could hardly unwrap fast enough. Peppermint sticks, taffy lollipops, and chewing gum. Wide-eyed, she looked at the man. We wished, she said. Yes, I know, said the man. And here it is. Welcome to Sonneman's Candy Store. I am John Sonneman. Soon the small store was filled with candies gleaming in glass jars. Raspberry suckers, tiny lemon drops, brightly colored jawbreakers, and long tangles of licorice. Pink and white peppermints for church and butterscotch balls for company. Then, in the very last package... In the very last crate was a candy Lucy had never seen before. A red and white striped candy stick with a crook in the end. What is this? Lucy asked. This, Mr. Sonneman explained, is a candy cane. It is a very special Christmas candy. Well, why? asked Lucy. Tell me, Mr. Sonneman said, what does it look like? Lucy took the candy cane and turned it in her hand. A J, she said. Yes, Mr. Sonneman said. He smiled. J, 
is for Jesus, who was born on Christmas Day. Now Lucy turned it over again. What does it remind you of? Lucy turned the candy in her hand. She peered down intently. I know, she said. It's a shepherd's staff. Who were the first to find out about Jesus' birth, said Mr. Sonderman. Shepherds in the field, Lucy answered, watching their flocks by night. But Mr. Sonneman, what are the stripes for, Lucy asked. The man's eyes grew sad. The prophet Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. Before he died on the cross, Jesus was whipped and he bled terribly. The red reminds us of his suffering and his blood. But then, Mr. Sonneman continued, the candy is white as well. When we give our lives to Jesus, his blood washes away our sins, making us white and pure as snow. That, he said, is the story of the candy cane. Is it a secret? Lucy asked. Mr. Sodomon looked at her for a long moment. It's a story that needs to be told, he said. Will you help me share it? It was now the the depth of December, and the town was whipped round by blizzards, winds, for days and days, and the sun hid itself. But every morning, Mr. Sonneman and Lucy ventured out. They wore heavy woolen coats and bright-knit scarves, and their stiff-mittened fingers each held a bag. They went to every house in town. They traveled to every farm in the countryside. They knocked on every door. In every home, they told the story, and they left a small gift and gave an invitation. What gift do you think they gave? Candy canes. On the afternoon of Christmas Eve, the sun finally broke through the clouds, and Sonneman's candy store officially opened. The mayor came feeling better than he'd felt in days. The young wives came dressed in beautiful smiles, and the farmers came eager to trade grain for Christmas gifts. The children ran in dizzy circles, Yes, their wish had come true. Yes, they had come to share in the opening of the candy store, but they shared something more, something bigger, and something better. On that Christmas Eve, they shared the story of the candy cane. They told of the miracle of Christ's birth and the misery of his death and the mercy of his love. So now you know the legend of the candy cane. And we have for you today a candy cane. But here's the challenge. And big kids, we have a treat for you too. So as the ushers come forward, we have candy canes for all of you. And the challenge is, do you keep this candy cane for yourself? Or do you give it to somebody else and tell them of the love and mercy of Jesus? The end.
when an angel appeared to the shepherds and spoke glory. As they trembled with fear, he said, don't be afraid. Oh, I come with good news. The Savior is born on this day. And it echoed like thunder as every angel voice sang. saves the Lord delivers 
today we listened to a beautiful story that the kids and Sarah so wonderfully presented. And, and now we have in our hands a beautiful little candy cane. And it's actually the depiction of the original candy cane that was developed 300 years ago, 350 years ago. It has the right design. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's there's something about that name. You know the Bible says at the name of Jesus, devils tremble. Do you know at the name of Jesus, heaven and earth bows down? All of creation. Last week we talked about the three trees. And I'm always, uh, of the three trees, I guess my favorite was the, the last tree, the one that wanted to tower over the hillside because the tree had but one desire. It wanted to bring glory to God. It wanted everybody to, to see it. And when they saw it, they would see its boughs reaching up towards heaven and they would take their eyes completely towards heaven. Did you ever notice that a tree, no matter where it sits, it always points up? I've always been amazed. I've watched trees growing out of the side of mountains and they eventually go up. Well, that little tree, though it seemed like its dreams were all dashed when the woodsman came and cut it down for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, go out to our podcast and you can hear the story. Or you can just go online and read the story of the three trees, the legend of the three trees. And, and this little tree thought all of his dreams were dashed when the woodsman cut him down. But all that really happened was the woodsman cut his plan from his life and gave him God's plan that he was originally created for. Oh, he did stand tall on that hill but he stood tall holding Jesus and all of creation even still today look to that tree you and I as Christians we look beyond the tree to an empty tomb a candy cane a message greatest joy we could ever have was what happened that night 2,000 years ago when the angels declared, I bring you glad tidings and joy. And it's all because of this. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. There's no other name, folks. And he just the same. Come on, if you know it, sing with me. As his lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so. Everyone. That's the reason why I love him so. Jesus is asleep. 
sing it one more time? Let's talk about that name. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. the candy maker. He said, well, Pastor, the reason he chose candy is because he was a candy maker. Well, let me take you to a little bigger picture of the legend of the cane, the candy cane. You see, back in the 18th century, Europe was really putting the the squash down on talking about Jesus, talking about the gospel, talking about the message of the cross. And according to the legend that we just read here, in the darkness of that time, this candy maker, oh, the candy maker, I believe, before Solomon, was trying to figure, what in the world can I do? I love Jesus. There's nothing sweeter in my life than him. What do I do? What can I do? How can I get? Bibles aren't allowed. Crosses aren't allowed. There's a great, ugly oppression over the countryside. How can I bring Jesus in the joy of Christmas? Well, when Christmas time came around, the children weren't allowed to see nativity scenes, but the candy maker had an idea. They still allow peppermint sticks. And we'll talk about why the candy cane is made out of peppermint. They allow peppermint sticks. Is there something? And so he crafted the candy cane with a crook. Unlike all kinds of stick candy, this was different. And he said... Maybe through this I can communicate the real story of Christmas. And he did. Because he knew there was nothing better for the darkness than the light of that wonderful name, Jesus. An old gospel singer just really resonated this song. You like him, you don't like him. His singing... Just every time I think of this song, I think of Jimmy Swagger. Something about the name of Jesus. If you know it, would you sing it with me? Jesus.
wonderful Jesus, the one who gave us all, that we today could have all. Worship team, know you appreciate him this morning. Let our our uh, uh, creative arts department know you appreciate them this morning, and you can be seated. I won't keep you long. I just want to talk to you about this sweetest name, folks. I've been saved, my goodness, forty something years now. I know. Last week, I I, I said something about three decades, and everybody laughed a little bit and chuckled. He's a little older now, but he just doesn't know it. Okay. Now, I was talking about how long I've been pastoring, uh, a little, you know, about 35 years. And so I've been, I've been saved about a little over 40 years. And can I tell you something? I can honestly say I love Jesus more today than I ever have in my life. And, 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 and I used to think, you know, the longer I'm saved, the easier it's going to be to live a Christian life. No, it's harder. It's harder. I, I want to be the bearer of good news, but I want to be the bearer of real news. You know why it's harder? It's because every day I look in the mirror, I see the wretched man that I am. 
and only because of the sweetness of that name has my life been changed. Anybody in this place feel that way? Last week, and I want to get quickly into your notes, we talked about the legend of the trees, and I made a simple statement that posed a question. And that statement is, is all things are not as they seem. But then it posed a question, and that question is, so what seems to be the result of all things? I think that answer is very simple there in Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When you yield yourself like those three trees, they thought, they thought their dreams and hopes are dashing over. But God said, no, all you did is you went from your plans to my plans. You went from your dreams to my dreams. You went from your ambitions and desires and hopes to what I created you for. And when you and I give ourselves totally to that, do you know why that candy maker could do something so drastically out of the ordinary? I know I'm going to wet some of your whistles. I'm going to open my candy cane. You know why he could take and do something so drastic as to take a straight stick of candy? Folks, that's all they had. They had candy sticks. And it was, I thought it was interesting. They, they, they said the peppermint stick was for church. They took that. And him to do something so drastic as to craft that. Do you think this was his, of his own design? Or do you think somebody was behind it? All that candy man know, knew was God. I'm in a bad situation, and you're going to make all of this work together for the good. Why? Because I love you, and I'm called according to your purpose. So it doesn't matter what's happening out there. All I care about is what's happening in here. Show me how to make a difference. And you know what he did? We know. Where you're at, where you've been, matters little when you put yourself into God's hand. Say, God, my life's yours. I am not my own, but that name above every name I bow to. There are people who believe the story of the candy cane is simply just a legend, but there are those that believe it really happened. Actually, nobody really knows how the candy cane came to be. But one thing is for certain. All things are not as they seem. To the rest of the world, it's just a candy cane. But the picture of God's love through Jesus is completely told in a little candy cane in the picture scene. Oh, it's not as it seems. Just a nice little piece of candy. You see, the simple message of the gospel 
revolved around that sweetest name and that sweetest voice. When the angels came in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11, look at it. It says, the shepherds were living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. Folks, when God shows up, on Wednesday night, I was sharing with people, you know, they, they struggle with how to hear from God and, and why am I not hearing from God? Why, and how do I know I'm hearing? Because the first thing that will happen when you begin to hear from God, the first thing God will ask you, where are you? See, God wants to make sure that he has what he wants, and that's your whole life. God's not a magician that shows up, poof. God's not a fortune teller. God's not a soothsayer. God's not. When God shows up and he wants to answer your prayer, he wants to be a part of your life, he wants to make sure that you want him to be a part of your life. So the first thing he does is he says, where are you? We find that depicted throughout Scripture all the way back to the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve were all messed up, you know. They, they went and, and they put on those designer clothing, fig leaves. And they're probably styling a little bit. Man, I wish I was flexible like you, Pastor Philemon. You can. He does a great job, doesn't he? He always gets embarrassed when I do that. It's only because I'm jealous. I'm envious. So God shows, Adam, where are you? And he didn't know if God was going to like his designer clothing or not. But how many know that God knew exactly where Adam was? But God wanted to make sure Adam knew where Adam was. Well, a lot of the times when God is trying to get our attention, the first thing he does is do you realize where you are? The Bible says the angel, the uh, shepherds were terrified. God shows up. Wow, God, you're going to kill me? What's going on here? And look what the angel said, the very first words, don't be afraid. And you know what? In our lives, God's been telling us that ever since. Because none of us think we can measure up. None of us think that we're good enough. And the devil makes sure that we think that. But God says, I love you just like you are. Don't be afraid. Just give me all of you. And what doesn't seem to be, I will make it come to be. I bring you good news great joy and this will be for all people say that with me all people for today in the city of david a savior is born which is christ the lord something i think is apparent to see i want you to hear this i put it on the screen christian and non-christian alike we all need all the help we can to remind us that Jesus is the reason for the season. And that help might be a simple candy cane. All season long, we see them. But I can promise you after this message, you'll never look at it the same. Today, I want to share about this story. I want to share that what is apparent as the simple message represented in the world today 
what this old candy maker was thinking as well as the point he was trying to get across in the candy scene. The first thing I want to do is I want to notice the candy cane. You hold it like this, what's it look like? Looks like a shepherd's staff. You know, most people, they, they, they know this 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. And it goes on to say, you know, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A lot of people think it's the same implement, but it's not. It's two different things. The staff, God used the staff for a very purposeful reason. Shepherds, even today, they still use the staff. If a, if a sheep gets out of line, uh, not you, I know you don't get out of line, but, uh, you know, that little staff would just reach out there and put a little tug on him. It might take a little thump on the head, too, just because he could reach it. But that rod, you know what the rod was for? Killing the enemy. When a wolf showed up, that rod was a club. I I love Gloria and Bill Gaither. Remember that song, He Touched Me? I, I, I picture that song as David in the field with that rod and that staff. And all of a sudden, David's singing, and he's kind of messed up a little bit, and God reaches down with that rod. Boom! He touched me. Oh. Okay. You, you, you'll get that when you leave today. But think about it. The rod and your staff. Your staff. And then what he said, he said, they comfort me. The thing that is supposed to bring demise to the enemy, God said, wield it in my hand. I'll take care of all of your enemies. Oh, but don't worry. When you get a little out there, I'll just stretch out with my staff and I'll tug you back. Can somebody say amen? The candy cane is the picture of a, she- of a, of a, a shepherd's staff. Do you know why? Because God wants us to always understand, just like they needed then, you and I, Christian, non-Christian, we still need a shepherd today. In Matthew 9, the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Can you imagine Solomon if he was the one that actually fashioned the candy cane? Could you imagine in the depths of his heart, the depths of his being saying, God, how can I get some idea that will always point them to you? And God immediately gives him a shepherd's staff. One of the sad realities in today's self-made man world, even Christians forget that we are the sheep and he is still the shepherd. I put a bunch of other scriptures in your notes there for you to go down and study. Do you know why I, I give you these notes? I talk about it all the time. Bless you, bless you. You know why I give you these notes? I want you to take these home and study them. I want you to go home and make sure that it's not just Pastor Tim speaking, that it actually is God's Word speaking. I want you to go and grow. Because I learned a long time ago, the folks that don't grow actually do go. But the ones that do grow, they go also into all the world and preach the gospel. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You see, sheep, sheep are interesting creatures. Now, folks, I'm going to say this. And if it, I don't want it to offend anybody, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have a gift, and that gift is called irritation. God likens us to sheep. 
Do you know that sheep are some of the dumbest animals on earth? You know why shepherds will not allow sheep to go around still water? Even though the Bible says he leads us beside still water, that little brook that's running, it's still still, but the sheep can see it moving because they'll walk into it and drown. They'll get out there in that water, and all of a sudden, guess what they're made of? Wool. Well, they're not made of wool. They, okay. Anyway. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of folks are saying, boy, I haven't eaten wool lately. <laughs> anyway, the, and that wool gets heavy when it gets wet. So they walk out in the water, and the shepherd's always careful to keep them away from water. This is why sheep know their shepherd, and they follow his or her voice because they know they are totally safe with him. And you know what? In a true field of shepherds, they won't listen to anyone else. I'm going to play a little video clip in just a second. But before I do, why do we, if we are sheep of his pasture, why do we listen to people that tell us to do things contrary to God's word? Why do we listen to advice that takes us down the wrong path? Why do we get ourselves tied up with wolves in sheep's clothing? It doesn't take long to see them. God will make sure. Folks, the last time I saw a lamb, it didn't have fangs. But unless we're looking, oh, you know, it's just my buddy. Folks, I'm careful, I'm careful of buddies. But I'm going to show you the true picture of a shepherd. I showed this on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago when we were talking about hearing God's voice. I want to share this with you this morning. And watch. This is a true depiction of shepherd and sheep in the field and people trying to get the sheep's attention that were not their shepherd. Go ahead. <laughs> the shepherd told him what to say. One more time. You see the sheep? And you're who? Second person comes out. You see the one looked up and just looked back away. So, I don't know who you are. Third guy. Or gal, I should say. Now the shepherd comes. You see how they immediately lift up? Do you notice he's talking to them and they're talking to him? Wow. 
Look at this, run after him. You see, my Bible tells me my sheep know my voice. We hear from God all the time. One of our biggest problems, we really don't want to hear. Because the first thing God's going to do is ask you, where are you? And then he'll take you where he wants you to be, if that's what you want. You see, this is how that we just saw in this little video. We're supposed to be with Jesus if we truly know him. Ducky, 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 ducky. I love that one sheep looked up. Eh, don't know you. Just great. Folks, when somebody's whispering in your ears, somebody's leading this way or that way, remember the sweetest name you will know. Don't listen to the rest. Can somebody say amen? John 10 says, I am the good shepherd, and I will lay down my life for you. A simple message, ladies and gentlemen, is this gospel. And the sweetest voice you'll ever hear is the shepherd. But what seemingly is apparent without a heart will be apparently unseen. We talked this last Wednesday night in our Bible study, our Bible class. We talked about something the Bible says that without a pure heart, you won't see God. And we talked about what does that mean to have a pure heart. And we had tons of involvement, just wonderful people. Well, perfection. It means maturity. It means this. It means that. Several people had different things. And they're all valid responses, but a pure heart is the one that says, I want to listen to nothing else. I want to do nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, but to be what Jesus wants me to be. That's the pure heart. That's why David in all of his maladies, was called a man after God's own heart because he knew no matter how far down he went, he could look back up and God would still be there saying, come home. That shepherd would still reach down with that staff and just tug on him. A simple candy cane as a shepherd's staff. Look what happens when you turn it upside down. You'll never look at a candy cane again the same way. Oh, I know. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know this stuff. You've known the legend of the candy cane. But I believe that today God wants to just really embed that in our thoughts. Because I'd venture to say, until you heard the legend of the candy cane, what was obviously apparent was never seen. Which is why Romans 1.20 tells us even though all the world and creation, the earth, the sky, everything God has made clearly speaks the invisible qualities and his eternal power in nature, we still say, I didn't know. The world, I didn't see. Because we won't see what we don't want to see. Can somebody say amen? Luke one thirty one says, look at this. You will conceive and give birth 
to a son. Do you know how many Christians denounce the virgin birth? I was interested just recently. Maybe you saw it on Facebook. My wife was so irritated by it, she reposted it. I guess the Pope doesn't think that God was pretty good at his word, so he decides I need to adjust it a little bit. Anybody saw that? The Pope wants to change the uh, Lord's Prayer. Immediately, my mind goes to Revelation 22, said, don't you touch my word. You add to, you take away. The same thing I do to you. Now, you may be a Pope officiato. Folks, I was raised Catholic. You want to have a conversation about Catholicism and all of the different other isms, I'm your man. uh, Years and years ago, I got a dear friend of mine that goes to Pastor Mitch's church. He got saved in my church. His wife uh, and he were staunch Roman Catholics, just like me. His wife got saved. She got gloriously saved. And she came in, and this this man was very well-to-do. She would come in, and and, uh, and she would drop $10,000 offerings, $50,000 offerings. She dropped lots of money. And I told the folks when I found out the story, I said, don't put those in the bank because I was waiting for Ray to call me at any time. I want my money back. Well, Ray did call a few months later, a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. He did call. My, my uh, uh, assistant, I told her to look for his name. And, Pastor is Ray. Ray who? Ray. Oh, Ray. Yeah, Ray. Not this Ray, but another Ray. And I could tell by the, inter- by the sound of her voice, it was that Ray. So I said, put him in. So, are you Pastor Tim? I said, yes. You know my wife, Laura? I said, yes, sir. You and me need to talk. And that's just how he talked. My wife knows him. That's just how he talked. I said, okay. So I made an appointment. And I told my assistant, I said, everything else is off the calendar. This is Ray's day. Ray came to my office. Two, three hours later, I'm praying with Ray to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor, are Catholics Christians? Some are, some aren't. Bottom line. Just like some Christians are Christians and they're not. It all depends on what they think the name means. Ray's words when he left my office that day, he said, Pastor Tim, I came here today believing in the church, but I leave today believing in Christ. Folks, you can change God's word all you want to. It doesn't change God's word. God said, from creation, we see God. See, all of creation, ladies and gentlemen, points to Jesus. Every aspect of your life, that longing, that hoping, that desire, that emptiness, is because God, with his staff, is drawing you. 
What is so apparent is apparently not seen. The sweetest name outlined in the likeness of a candy cane reminds you and me it's not about money. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the church. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all about Jesus. Matthew 1, 21 says, And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And the Bible says all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, see, that a virgin will conceive. You may be here and say, I don't believe in the virgin birth. You can't be a Christian unless you believe in the virgin birth. Folks, God wasn't up there saying, beam him down, Scotty. He came in a manger. You will give birth to a son. That's why nobody can say, well, it's because of where I was born. It's because of where I was raised. No, it's because of how you choose to live with one simple change of the cane. What once announced the name above every name was and is the shepherd that guides your life and mine. I am the good shepherd. I am. And I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. The next thing I want you to notice is the canes made out of hard candy. There's lots of candies out there that you can, they're very pliable, they're very loose, they're very uh, movable. But you know what? This picture, this little candy cane wasn't just a afterthought. Or happenstance. You know why it was made out of hard candy? Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the mind of this candy maker. Do you know why? Because it makes us to understand that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. In Luke chapter 6, we find the passage, as we do in Matthew, and we find uh, the, the passage of the man that built his house on a rock and a man that built his house on the sand. And the analogy I like to give people all the time is, folks, both men built houses. Both men built probably very good houses. But the only difference was was the foundation they set their house on. Listen to me. God didn't stop the storm. The picture is the unsaved. The picture is the saved. God didn't change the storm. The same storm beat on both houses, but one didn't fall because it was founded on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, I venture to say, ladies and gentlemen, that most in this room today never really concerned themselves about their foundation before they gave their lives to Jesus But after hearing that name that's above every name, after hearing and receiving and committing their life to Christ, they don't shake as much as they used to. They don't roll as much as they used to. Well, they might rattle once in a while. If we're not built on a good foundation, if we're not built on the solid rock, the 127 Psalm said, all of our buildings in vain. Let me, let me wrap this up this morning and quickly. 
The Bible says he is our shepherd. It says he is the name above every name. He is the rock. He is the shepherd. He is the name. He is the rock, solid in your life and mine. All of this is established and set forth in a simple little candy cane. The sweetest name I know I can find right here. But there's more than that. There's more. It is a message to be shared. It is a message to be shared. Look at it. Two colors. Red and white. Well, the candy cane is actually white. The original cane, when it is originally produced, it is a solid color of white. You know why? Because that's how God created us. In the garden, without sin, without blemish, without anything. But then man fell, and the white became tarnished. And God put him out of the garden. So the candy maker's sitting down and thinking, okay, God, what am I doing here? And he said, you've got to remember the blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So you've got two colors, one solid. And then you have two more presented. A large red stripe and three small stripes. Now, a lot of candy canes, they just big red stripe, big white, okay? But the original cane had three small stripes and one big stripe. Do you think this was the maker's refined or the spirit's design? You see, all things are not as they seem. The solid red stripe is the blood of Jesus that flowed. The three stripes represent the three nails that held his arms and feet. The blood of the big stripe, the forgiveness. And the three for the nails. Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes. You know what we were done, folks? We were rescued from sin, restored to wholeness, and redeemed from the curse. Luke 22 says, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Ladies and gentlemen, without Calvary, there is no tomb. And without the tomb, there is no forgiveness of sins. Can somebody say amen? Oh, but the candy maker, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, did not stop there. Oh, that would have been enough. But there was so much more, so much more. And there's more scriptures in your notes to look at. The cane itself is largely white. What happens after the blood flows. We get the picture of what happened before. Jesus was born of a virgin, not tainted by humanity. The picture of purity and sinlessness. Well, God gave His very best, purposed 
in the incarnation in the best way purity as white as snow without blemish without spot he prepared you and I to be the bride from the very beginning and he said after the blood I will make you as white as snow he faced all sin for you and for me you know why that you and I could have strength to stand against all sin the sweetest name of all the sweetest name of all the last thing that I want to touch on every candy cane is peppermint now they may have different flavors nowadays but in the original it's all peppermint I thought that was an intriguing thing so I started digging into it to find out what is the reason all things are not as they seem folks Do you know why it's peppermint? Because there was another plant that came from the mint family. And that plant's name was hyssop. In the Psalms, David says, Purge me with hyssop that I might be white as snow. But let me take you back some 3,500 years to a place called Egypt, to a deliverance of a people from a Pharaoh. The Lord said, smite the doorpost and the lentil with blood and use hyssop to do it. The hyssop is a mint, which is why the candy cane is peppermint. All things apparent, just not seen. 51st Psalm, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. The last thing that I want to point out as the worship team comes. Remember Solomon's Solomon's instruction? It's the same instruction that I found in every story of the candy cane. He said, share it. And back in the day, everybody couldn't afford a candy cane. And so you know what they did? He said, break it and tell the story. Share it. You know where that takes me to? First Corinthians, the book of Luke. The Last Supper, where Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Your candy cane. Yeah, enjoy it. Have fun with it. But remember, just like communion, though apparent, Maybe you never saw it before. On the same night that he was betrayed, betrayal, he was betrayed by a friend. Because that's the only people that can betray, folks. Enemies can't betray. Acquaintances, only friends. The Bible says he took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. 
1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 4. And he said, partake in this, remembering me. He said, take the candy cane, the candy maker said, and share it with others so that they too can know the love of Jesus. See, 1 John 4, 7 says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Candy cane. A Christmas legend or a reality of life? Folks, I don't know how it was created. I don't know when it was created. But I think it was one of those realities of life that it doesn't matter where you're at. You can take that sweetest name and present it to somebody in the shape of a candy cane. Because they sell them all year long. Why? Because it is the illustration of the sweetest name of all, Jesus, and how his love for us should be the sweetest expression of our lives. When they look at you, they should see the love of God. You say, well, Pastor, what if I'm having a bad day? Folks, are some of the best days to show the love of God. You know why? When you mess up, stand up and fess up. I'm the guy. I'm guilty. Forgive me, please. And when you fess up, own up. Don't make excuse. Take responsibility. That's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago for me. The Bible says he lived his whole life without sin. And because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Folks, the world so desperately needs his love, his shepherding. Sometimes he needs that rod of correction. You and I can share it. I shared my candy cane. That means I don't have one now. Maybe I'll get one of you to share it with me. And every time you do, you're sharing Jesus. Take that time. Take that time. Take that moment. Share what Jesus has done. Say, Pastor, I, you know, I've made lots of mistakes and I've done lots of wrong. Welcome to the club. Well, Pastor, you never make mistakes. You didn't get to church early enough this morning. <laughs> Folks, we all fall short. No, the, the longer you live for God, the less you should. But you still could. And without His grace, you probably would. But what do you do about it? You know what I do? I do this. I turn to Jesus because He is the sweetest name I know. He's my hope. He's my strength. He's my fortress. And He's just the same as His lovely name no matter where you are no matter where you've been folks this is why I that's the reason why I 
as you stand to your feet all over this room. Sing it with me. Jesus is the Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.